Psalm 119, and today as we focus on the Word of God, I want to bring a message that directs our hearts and our minds to the Scripture today. And of course, every sermon preached from this pulpit is from this book. Not everyone is themed about the book, though it's centered in the book. Today, we're going to consider the Word of God. And I want us to begin in verse number 161. And we'll read this stanza of this song in the book of songs. Verse number 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for Thy salvation and done Thy commandments. My soul hath kept Thy testimonies and I love them exceedingly. I have kept Thy precepts and Thy testimonies for all my ways are before Thee. Lord God, I pray that today we would be drawn closer to Thee through Your Word. Help us, Lord, to understand that to duly love You as You have called us to requires that we love the book that reveals You to us. And so, Lord, today I pray that while we fall more deeply in love with our Savior, may we fall more deeply in love with the love letter that reveals Him to us. Fill me with Thy Holy Spirit. Descend in hearts, I pray, by the power of Thy Holy Spirit. This we ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. My message this morning is titled simply, Do You Love His Word? Do You Love His Word? Now my friends, there are many declarations that we make in our lives. Often we talk about how much we love the Lord. And I think you know as I do that anybody can stand in church and sing, Oh how I love Jesus with a gusto, and walk out the back door and live like they never met Him. I'm sad to say that I am sure there have been days like that in my own life. And while there are many that will stand and say that they love Jesus, there are perhaps just as many that would say, I love the Bible. I love His Word. And yet, if we were to try to detect the evidence that would support the claim that you love the Word of God, I wonder, could we find enough evidence to validate your claim that you love the Word of God. 
You know as I do that in the words written in red, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Folks, if that is one of the ways that we express our love to God, how are we doing? Perhaps you say, well, I'm not sure how I'm doing because you don't even know what those commandments are. Because really, loving God and loving His Word have to go together. Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for these are they which testify of Me. So, if we want to know God, it's not going to be through another great video on YouTube. It's not going to be through Ronna McDaniel and Kathy Lee Gifford making another movie about God. It will be as we open the pages of the book of books that reveals Him to us because this is what God has ordained to be the instrument by which the one that we are called to love with all that is within us reveals. And so today, loving God and loving His book must go hand in hand. I know many people that say, oh, how I love Jesus, and they'll put their hand over their heart, and you look at their life and you wonder. There are people who say, oh, I love, the, I love the Bible, but you know what? They're a member of the Book of the Month Club with CBD, and <laughs> they don't have the Book of Books, the B-I-B-O-E, right? Sometimes we are so good at reading Christian books that we allow those books to become a substitute for the book of books. And it is not what I write that reveals Christ to you. It's not what Max Lucado writes. It's not what Billy Graham writes. It's, it's not what Chuck Swindoll writes or Charles Stanley writes that reveals Him to us. It is the Scriptures themselves. That's why Jesus said, search the Scriptures. He didn't say, read good books. Right? Now folks, i got to tell you something. Um, I might see Kurt right over here. He probably wouldn't do this. He's a diabetic. But let's just say hypothetically. Now I know you you do do this when you shouldn't. But imagine that, that he, he just has a hankering for, for Rocky Road ice cream. And so he goes out and buys a half a gallon... And he gets a huge salad bowl and he puts the whole half gallon in there, all right? And I mean, it's a hot day and he's digging into that thing and I'm talking about the nuts are just crunchy and the marshmallows are pungy and the chocolate is just mouthwateringly good. And, and, and man, it, he, it's getting on his face, it's running down and it's a hot day. Okay, do you think that I want to say, Kurt, do you have any good books? about ice cream that I could read. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm reading about your last experience in this journal <laughs> and how good it is and that it was cold and it was really tasty. Man, this is really fulfilling me reading about your thoughts on Rocky Road ice cream. You know what? Boy, I feel so much better now. Okay? I feel like I have the tools that I need to go through a hot summer day now. 
Folks, you'd say, that's silly. If you're in that situation, you wouldn't ask to read his journaling about Rocky Road ice cream. You'd say, where can I get some of that? Right? Can I get a witness? Some of you aren't excited about that. Maybe for you it's pistachio ice cream, Brother Lyle. I have it on good knowledge that he likes that. And uh, or maybe it's butter brickle. I I I don't know. Do they make that kind anymore? And uh, you know maybe it's chocolate chip cookie dough. I like that. And uh, you go to um, Cold Stone ice cream, right? And get a double heap of chocolate chip cookie dough and get that all crunched up in there. And then ask him to take the caramel and just. Just drizzle it all over it and then mix it all together. I'm telling you, man, that'll make a jackrabbit slap a hound dog any day of the week. And I'm I'm telling you, you put a little bit of that ice cream on your forehead and your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it. Okay. Now, I don't want to read about somebody eating that and their experience. I want to experience it for myself. Amen. Folks, let me tell you something. I don't want to read about what everybody else thinks about their experience with God. I want to experience Him my own self. Amen? And so I'm glad that you had a great experience with God, but I need one for myself. And if you ever get to that place, my friend, you can have it right here. Do you love the Word of God? I hope that you do. Friend, The Lord doesn't just call you to express your love for the Word by reading the Bible, though that must be a part of it. He longs for us to live the Bible. To live the Bible. You see, He's called us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 7, To walk by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And the Bible tells us more about that in Romans 10.17. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So my faith is established upon the basis of this book. And therefore I am called to live on the basis of this book. And it doesn't just happen by just simple reading. You see, in order to truly live the Bible, we must come to the place that we love the Bible. And when we love the Bible, it will grant to us those things that we truly yearn for, but often seem to escape us. You see, there are those that may be here today that are thinking, you know, I'm longing for a wife. Anybody here like that? Maybe there's somebody longing for a husband. We can we could fix you up today. <laughs> yeah, you're longing for a wife. Um, you know what you need to do first? You need to long for God. You need to long for a relationship with Him through His Word because until you get that situation worked out, you're not going to be good to any woman. As much as you think that your name is Lance Romance. Right, and uh, that you're God's gift to women, you're going to be no good to a woman until you have a right relationship with God. Amen? That's true. I'm just telling you. Right? Now, I think that what we discover here in the Word is that the psalmist said, 
In verse number 163, Thy law do I love. Thy law do I love. Now, in this case, the word law here is a specific reference to the Bible. It was the sum of what they had as the Word of God at that moment. And the psalmist is writing and saying, I love your Word here. In verse number 167, he says, um, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, that's the Bible, and I love them exceedingly. You know, sometimes we, we, we hear people say, I just think God is awesome. You know, But how often do we really hear people say things like, Man, I just love the Bible. You think about that for a minute. Now I want you to understand that a love for the Word produced something for the psalmist here. And it will do the same for you. Because it is as powerful today as it was the day it was written. It is as relevant today as the day that it was written. It is eternally and timelessly true. It is God-breathed and inerrant. And I want you to know it's immutable because it is truth. Truth is unchanged and unchangeable. And my friends, I want you to understand as well that our God said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. And as such, it is as relevant to us today as the day that it was written. And so, with that in our understanding, I want you to see what a love for the Word produces in the life. And in verse 161, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I submit to you this morning that loving His Word produces pleasure. Loving His Word produces pleasure. Do you think that God would ask you to do something of great value with there being no benefit in it? God does everything that He does for a purpose in your life. Everything that God calls you to do comes with a benefit. You understand that? There's a benefit to it. There's something in it that's good for you. You see, the Lord will grant unto us the joy of His presence as we fall in love with His Word. The Bible declares, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so, God will guide us in the right path. But then it says in Psalm 16.11 that Thou wilt show me the path of life. Well, how can we see it? Through the Word. And what's the result of that? Well, in Psalm 16.11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In Thy presence is fullness of joy. At Thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And I would never know that apart from the revealed Word of God. And so, when I love His Word and I dig into it, I'm not just reading it to say that I have read it. I'm reading it to understand it and to live the truth, it brings me great joy and pleasure. I'm going to tell you something. This world will ultimately rape and betray your sensitivities. It will plunder you. 
It will betray you and let you down. This world and its system. Anybody here happy about the current state of political affairs in our country? Raise your hand up big and high. You're really gleeful about it. Not a one. It's not bringing you any joy right now? How about the fact they want to give out more stimulus money? Well, that might make some people happy for a minute, but how many of you know your grandkids are going to have to pay for that someday? How many of you are really ecstatic about that? Not me. You can't just write checks with no money in the bank. Right? They'll put you in jail for doing that and give themselves license to do it and call people that don't want to do it unpatriotic. Are you happy about that? I'm not. So can I put my confidence in this world system or what it has to offer me? Some people fall in love with their career and their job. And, you know, I got news for you. The first second that you step out of line or because of COVID they start cutting, you're on the chopping block and you're going to discover that that job that you love so much doesn't love you back. But one of the things that you'll discover in the truth of the Word of God is that the one that wrote this book said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. I've loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. Listen, I would never experience or know that apart from the truth of the Word of God. You see, loving His Word produces pleasure. And we'll begin to see it as a precious treasure. I know people that have gold that they've amassed and, and they have a, a scale and whenever they get a little gold, they like to melt it down. Maybe they'll find some scrap jewelry or some coins and they melt them down and they like to weigh it and they're always summing it and holding it. And, and somehow that brings them some sort of a, of a happiness. But the truth is that because they found a little treasure in the parking lot at the mall and they were able to put it in their storehouse of gold, might bring them a temporary joy, but I'm going to tell you something. The truth of these pages will produce a joy in your life that the world can't give you and the world can't take it away. The price of gold goes up and the price of gold goes down. But one thing we can always count on, and that is the steadfast love of our Savior and the truthfulness of the Word that reveals Him. And I, for one, Want to take pleasure in that. Listen, the psalmist took pleasure in it. And verse 163 says, I hate and abhor lying. You and I do too, don't you? Don't you hate it when a politician stands up there and tells you stuff that you just know is not true? I, 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 uh, I, I'm telling you, I, there are some things that I'm concerned about. Uh, one of the first... Uh, executive order signed by our newly elected president was to uh, do away with the 1776 commission which basically guarantees that our history is going to be recorded as it actually happened okay and so what what replaced the 1776 commission was the 1619 
Commission report. You can go online, I hope that you will, read the 1776 Commission. You won't disagree with the single word of it. In fact, you'll say that's exactly what I learned in school. But the 1619 Commission authorized revisionist history that rewrote the history books of our country and placed them in public schools that fundamentally taught that in 1619, white imperialist colonists came to this country for the sole purpose of repressing and enslaving people of color. There was no uprightness, honor, or Christianity about any of it. And that is the foundation of our country. It was founded as a slave state. And that's what it teaches. And that's how it starts. It totally disavows the Mayflower Compact, those that gave their lives, those who with honor rolled back borders and territories to pioneer new places and open up new ground for a new world. It totally discounts the stories of those uh, that, that loved the Native Americans and weren't just you know, going about trying to slaughter them. It, it, it just totally omits the, the, the Bible-based portion of the history of this country. Now, I don't know what you think about that, okay? but I hate lying. I abhor. I, the Bible here says, I abhor, and I hate lying. You see that. But thy law do I love. You know why? It is entirely true. And you can trust it. You can absolutely trust your eternity with the truthfulness of the Word of God. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and He is the life giver. And when I love His Word, you know what I have a contempt for? Anything that's not true. I have a contempt for anything that is deceitful. In other words, when I love the Word, it produces in my life a purity. I don't want the half-baked truth. I don't want the adulterated truth. I don't want the watered-down truth. I want the unadulterated truth that God has given. Now folks, we're living in a day where people are afraid to preach the unadulterated truth. They would rather have a politically correct, culturally relevant, woke Bible that doesn't offend the consciousness of those who desire to come as they are and leave as they were. It doesn't offend the sensitivities of people who want to embrace the tenets of humanism and say that all truth is relative. My friend, it is not relative, it is absolute. It doesn't become the truth. It is not the truth as I apply it. It's not based upon my situational ethic. It is eternally and absolutely true. And when I love truth, the truth of the Word of God. It produces a purity within me. The sad thing is today, there is no shortage of churches in our country. And although there are churches that are closing down due to COVID and the restrictions that it has imposed, and although there are congregations from sea to shining sea that will close their doors never to open them again, they'll be swallowed up by bigger mega, those people will be swallowed up by bigger mega churches. And there's no lack of television preachers, there's no lack of radio preachers, there's no lack of Christian periodicals, there's no lack of Christian books. And my friends, 
despite the fact that there's a proliferation of religion in our country, there is no great proliferation of purity within the lives of those that feed on that religion. You know why? Because it is not purely based upon thus saith the Lord. It is often the philosophies of man. It is the prosperity preachers who have perverted the truth and watered it down. And when I begin to pervert truth, I lie. And when I begin to water down truth, I'm a deceiver, you see. Because I am not giving you the pure and unadulterated truth of the Word of God. And friends, there are people that are flocking wholesale to large churches that don't give line upon line, precept upon precept. Who teach, you shouldn't ever teach out of Exodus chapter 20 because that's outmoded and irrelevant now because it's the Ten Commandments. We can't put that off on people. It doesn't doesn't comport with what we believe about how people want to live in a free culture and free love and, and all kinds of evolving senses of morality. My friend, there's no such thing as an evolving sense of morality. All sin is immoral. All sin is an offense against the thrice holy God. And the Word of God is the singular source that reveals it to us. And my friend, loving the Word of God is going to produce a purity within your life where you don't have any tolerance for people trying to pull the wool over your eyes anymore. You don't have any tolerance for sin in your own life. You, you hate and abhor it. But the truth of the Word of God you love, even if it convicts your heart, you're grateful that it does. Now, I know this is probably not a popular message today, but who's going to tell you the truth if I don't? Is that a fair question? Now, now I know there's a few good ones out there, and I'm not saying that they're not. There are a lot of good preachers out there. But my friends, I'm going to tell you today, they're in the minority, not the majority. Not everything that calls itself a church really is. And not everything that's called a Bible really is. There are man's iterations of it. Jehovah's Witnesses can't even call theirs a Bible because it's a plagiarization. And they change it to suit their false doctrine. And in a court of law it was ruled they couldn't. That's why they called it the New World Translation of the Scriptures. You see? Loving His Word produces not only pleasure in our life because of what the Bible reveals, and, and purity in our lives because we're confronted with the truth of God, but it produces praise. It produces praise. The psalmist said, seven times a day do I praise thee. Now, it wasn't like him saying, okay, I've, I've carved out seven moments in the day where I'm going to just praise the Lord. On a really good day, I'll do it eight times. You know, if I'm really having a great time, I might go as high as ten. Praise the Lord. You know, that wasn't like that. You know why I use the number seven? Because number, number seven is the number of perfection. It's the number of completion. So do you know what? He was saying seven times a day, what he meant was this, your praise fills my days. Your praise fills my days. What was the cause of praise? Seven times a day do I praise thee. Here's the cause. Because of thy righteous judgments. You know what he's referring to? The Bible. Well, by the way, I'm going to tell you, if you didn't know this, Psalm 119 is the longest 
chapter in all of the Bible, every single verse in it is a reference to the Bible. Every single one. All 176 verses. It's not always termed the Bible. Sometimes it's the Word. Sometimes it's testimonies. Sometimes it's statutes. Sometimes it's judgments. Uh, but it's all a reference specifically to the truth of the Word of God. His Word will give you a reason to praise God when it seems that little else in the world could. I mentioned that yesterday I opened up a letter from Yvonne after I just saw her and Stacy walking out to the car. I walked in and Jenny handed me the mail and I opened it up. There were two letters in there. She said, I had COVID and I, and I was going to mail this to you, but I thought I'm not going to send it to you for fear I might pass it to you in the mail. So I waited until I tested negative and then I sanitized the letters I had written you during my time of quarantine. And here they are now. And in those letters, she wrote to me and said, I have been so distressed about what's taking place in our world. And she said, I have found such great comfort in listening to the preaching of God's Word. It has been that which has helped to guide me through these difficult days. And she was praising the Lord for it. My friend, your days will never be really complete without time in the Word. You will have just existed for another day. You see, Jesus said that His words in John chapter 6, they are spirit and they are life. He said, I'm come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. I wonder, are your days lived in such a way that you could define them as abundant living? Apart from the Word of God, it's not likely. I submit it's not even possible. As we move ahead in our message this morning, I want you to consider verse 165. And there it says, Great peace have they which love thy law. Loving His Word produces peace. Loving His Word produces peace. Great peace have they which love thy law. Did you know that His Word speaks peace into our hearts? Did you know that? I, listen, the, the, the Bible is just so beautiful. It, it says things like, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. Do you know what he says there? Hey, don't worry about anything. Just give it to me and by faith praise me for the answer. And you know what's going to happen? When you take God at His Word, He says, the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. How many of you know people whose lives are characterized by anxiety and stress on steroids? Let me see your hand. How many of you are like, you're, you're, you're telling my story, you're singing my song here, Pastor. That's my life song, stress and anxiety, right? And, uh, and do you ever watch uh, 
hee-haw. I, I know you've watched a fair amount of hee-haw. In fact, I think you were on it, weren't you, Marty? No? <laughs> Maybe with Buck Owens playing the guitar, but you know, you remember, was it Chet Atkins and Buck Owens that used to sing that song? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, gloom despair, and agony on me. Alright, and uh, you know, look, we all know people whose lives are on, on stress on steroids and they're all down in the dumps and they have anything that characterizes and everything that characterizes their life except the peace of God. Now I submit to you that we will never truly have the peace of God until we come to understand peace with God that was affected at the cross of Calvary. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So guess what? We're no longer at enmity with God. God has effected a peace for us and has drawn us to Himself. And so now that we have peace with God, what is possible to us is the peace of God. You say, how do you know that? <laughs> what are we talking about? You see, when I love His Word, it produces a peace within me. And God, by His Word, will begin to speak peace into my heart. When I'm feeling distressed, I feel like I need this or that, or I need this person, I need this affirmation. And the Lord just comes to me and in loving tones, wraps me in His arms and says, Son, be content with what you have. Because I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And if you have me, you have everything that you really need. Well, what's going to give you more peace than that? You'd say, how about a million dollars? I'd like to try that one on. You know, the fact of the matter is, after you blow through the million... First, after Uncle Sam blows through half of it with what's left, you'll go pretty quick, right? You find you have a lot of friends. And when it's all gone, you find you really have none. And what you needed to give you peace was not another dollar, but the God of the Bible. Loving His Word produces peace. When you're in distress, His Word ministered by His Spirit can give us peace like nothing in this world ever could. Now I want to say this to you. The first half of that verse goes right along with the last half. The great peace have they which love thy law and Nothing shall offend them. So, loving His Word not only produces peace, but it produces power. You say, power? Yes, it does. Well, first of all, we know that the Bible declares in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, the Word of God is quick. That means it's alive. So, for those that say it's irrelevant, understand, it's still alive. It's just as alive and unchanging and ageless as it was the day that God breathed it and somebody wrote it down. Okay, it's quick, it's alive. The Word of God is quick and powerful. 
and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are open and naked under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The Word of God is going to reveal us for who we are. It's going to cut right down to the quick. It's going to separate the joint and marrow, the soul and the spirit. It's going to get right down to the heart of the matter and reveal the truth about us. And it is powerful when that takes place. And the Word of God will give you power because the Bible tells us, great peace have they which love thy law. And here's what's going to happen. Nothing shall offend them. You know anybody that's bitter? How many of you know a bitter person in your life? Okay, You know a bitter person. Okay. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you might be bitter at someone or something? And maybe God. Through the years I've talked to a lot of people who are bitter at Him. I'm mad at God because He took my love and I prayed for them to be healed and He didn't heal them. He took them home and I'm mad. They're mad at God. And their whole life is a negative reaction against the bitterness that they have for what God didn't do. You know people like that, don't you? Folks, I know people that have been offended by a family member and they haven't spoken to them in years. I know people have been offended by a coworker. They're angry and they're bitter. And their bitterness has become them. Whenever you get around them, within three minutes of being around that person, they get around to the thing or the person that they're angry with and bitter at. And they want to get you on their team. They want to get some validation that they're justified in feeling that way from you. Because misery loves company, doesn't it? How many of you know that's true? Bitter people want people to be bitter with them. If they hate on somebody and you don't hate on them, all of a sudden they found a new person to be bitter at. Right? Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about. It's like, I, now I can't be friends with people just because you don't like them? <laughs> you, you know, it's like, okay. You know, where do I sign up for the re-education camp? <laughs> do, do, do you know, I, come on, folks. I'm not smart enough to think for myself. I need the government that can't balance a checkbook to tell me what to think. Right? And wants to rewrite the truth of the history books and then force it down people's throats. The land of the free? <laughs> right? The free lunch? Right? That's about it. Now folks, and I'm not making fun. I know there are a lot of people that eat lunch at school and they have to have it because that's the only way they can eat. But, uh, Folks, listen, I'm just going to say this to you. There are those that are bitter. And I'm just going to say something, and, and I believe it's true. I don't think you'll ever find a bitter soul that loves the Bible. I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say, I don't think you'll ever find a bitter person that's really in love with this book. Because if they're really in love with it, they're going to find the way out of bitterness. But it's not what they want to do because the bitter person doesn't want to grant forgiveness and grace. They want to stay mad. That's what bitterness does. Because fundamentally, what is bitterness anyway? 
Bitterness is an unwillingness to forgive and turn loose of an offense. You hurt me. You did me dirty. I'll never forgive you. I'm never going to forget that. That's fundamentally what produces that sows that seeds in your heart, those seeds in your heart. True or false? So bitterness is an unwillingness to turn loose of an offense. It's an unwillingness to grant the forgiveness we're commanded to give. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, and be a kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You read in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, about forgiveness and that it produces a root in your life and it becomes the core of who you are. You become an ugly, nasty person. And the Bible says, thereby many be defiled. Your bitterness turns you into a person that spews venom on everybody in your pathway. But when you love this book, the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I'm not going to take offense at every little thing, because every little thing will be put up to the light of this book. And how I respond to every little thing will be put up to the light of this book book that says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That asks the question, why do you not rather take wrong? And that we are not to fail of the grace of God. And that's not to fall away from the teaching of grace. That is to fail to impart the grace that God has given to us to show that to others. And grace essentially is treating others in a way and after a fashion that we believe is kinder, gentler, nicer than what we think they might deserve. Is that not how God has dealt with you? And we're called to give that. But... Loving His Word produces the power to overcome the temptation to remain bitter at someone and hold on to an offense. And God will use that power to enable you to retain the peace that comes from knowing Him through His Word. And I must hasten as we, as we look in verse 66, for here the Bible says, Lord, I have hope for thy salvation, and done thy commandments. Do you know what he's saying there in another term? We might say, he's saying, Lord, I'm trusting your word and doing what it says. I'm just going to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Your word says that I can be saved, and your word tells me that my Savior is going to come on a white charger as a knight in shining armor and rescue me out of here in the clouds, and so I'll ever be with the Lord. And so I'm hoping in that. And you know what? Listen, I have patience because I know that this little time here on the earth that is just for a moment and it's a light affliction. It's going to pass soon. And I'm going to be with Him in glory. And whatever I've had to face, and for however long I've had to face it down here, you see, this light affliction, the Bible says, which is but for a moment, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And the hardness you experience here just makes heaven that much better when we get there. And so, you know what? We endure it with patience. And the only way that we know that is this book. It produces patience 
We can place our confidence in the Lord because of what His, reveal, His Word reveals to us about our hope. And knowing how this ends, we can wait patiently for God to work on His timetable. A wise man once said that patience is accepting a difficult situation from the Lord without giving Him a deadline to remove it. We pray even as the Apostle of old, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But not my will, but Thy will be done. God, whatever You have appointed for me, with patience I wait, with patience I endure, because I have the truths of the Word of God to sustain me, and I know how this whole thing is going to end. And i got some news for you, my friend. To the one who's saved and loves God and loves His Word, we win! We win, right? <laughs> you know, um, I, I had a friend that, that uh, had to work one time for uh, one, of, one of the NFL championship games. And they said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on my DVR and I'm going to go home and I'm going to order a pizza and I'm going to sit down and watch it just like it was live. So if you know how this thing turns out, don't tell me. Okay? Don't be the spoiler. They said, you want to come over and have a piece of pizza? Game was on. And you know what? Um, we were rooting for the same side. And his, his team, our team, it fumbled the ball. It looked like everything was lost. And I was cool as a cucumber. Right? And he's coming unwound. He's jumping off of the table. He's throwing pizza at the wall. There's popcorn everywhere. He's upset. And I'm sitting there with ice water running through my veins. You know why? I know how this thing ends. And so, you know, I had no problem sitting through that game without having a coronary. You know what? Some of you are going through this life with popcorn and pizza being thrown everywhere because every little thing is blowing you out of the tub. Folks, why don't you get in the book and really discover how this thing winds up? Because when you lay hold of it, you'll have a little of that ice water injected in your veins. Not that you're mean, but you know what? You'll be cool in the face of the things that otherwise might steam you a little. I'm just simply saying, loving His Word produces patience. We can place our confidence in the Lord, and I hope that you will. And, and the last thing I want to tell you is this, and this is true. The Bible says in 167, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I love them. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. You know what he's saying? Listen, when I open the Word of God, I realize that my life is an open book. There's nothing, you see, all things, Hebrews 4.13, all things are open and naked unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Okay? He's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of my heart. Okay? So, God by His book can remove the cloak of deceitfulness that I want to veil my sin with. But God just 
He cuts right to the quick. He sees it all. And the psalmist is saying, look, my ways are before you. You know my life. You know everything about me. And so when you instruct me, you know what you're talking about. When I look at your testimonies, they're exactly what the One who made me knows is good for me. And so, I have kept Thy precepts and Thy testimonies for all my ways are before Thee. You know what it produces? Loving His Word produces prosperity. I'm not talking about you're going to make a lot of money that historically is not borne out. I'm not trying to preach a prosperity doctrine to you today. Name it, claim it, health and wealth gospel. What I am telling you is this, what John said that I I pray that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. There is something that the Bible calls the prosperity of the soul. Not the physical life in which we live, but the prosperity of the soul. How is that accomplished? Well, God beginning to make me into the man that He has called me to be. Now, I would tell you, fathers in this room, you may agree with me on this, that when you begin to see your children growing up and making godly decisions... That is a prosperity that exceeds anything that money can buy. That is of greater value to you than anything materially this world could ever offer to see your children making godly decisions. So that really puts into context the prosperity of the soul. You see, he's saying, my whole life is before you, God. And so the testimonies that you give to me and the judgments that you put before me, I know the one that made me and the one that sees me knows exactly what is best for me and what I need. And when I lay a hold of that, there is prosperity of the soul and spirit that follows because I am more and more being formed into the image of Jesus. If you're still not sure, think of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law, that's the Bible, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. The one that made you knows and sees everything about you. And He'll open the truth to you that is best for you. That is best for you. I had some tires put on my car. I had last week I had a flat on one of them, but I had some tires put on my car after after Christmas sale at Big O. And, you know, it was discounted by so much money I couldn't resist, and I had to have them. So anyway, I went up there. They put them on, and uh, you know, after a couple of days, I, I I got this 
little light in my dash that said one of my tires was low on air. And I looked, some of them had like 45 pounds, some of them had like 28 pounds. I'm like, guy must have been on crack that Philip put the air in these tires, you know. I mean, no, no two tires had, were even close to, to the other, you know what I'm saying? It was like one of these, all of these things are not like the other, and it didn't take a, a master's degree from Sesame Street to figure it out, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I'm looking at this, and, and, uh, and, and I'm thinking, well, what should it be, you know? And I looked on the tire itself, and it said max PSI 50. Okay, so 50 pounds was the maximum you should put in the tire. I said, well, there's a couple of them that are kind of getting close to the max. There's some of them that are way low and the light came on. So what do I do? The thought came to me. You know, I'll just bet the owner's manual might tell me the optimum pressure for these tires. It wasn't me kicking the tires or feeling them. It wasn't me looking at the maximum there. That wasn't healthy. Had to go to the owner's manual. And the ones that made it knew what was best. And so that's where we set it. Let me say this to you. Maybe you feel like you have a little bit too much pressure on you right now. You're looking at everybody else and you see, well, they're going through the same thing. They don't seem to be flat. They don't seem to be bursting. Why don't you open the owner's manual? Because the one that made you knows what's best for you. You see, the Word of God and the love for it will cause you to operate at peak performance. Prosperity will come to your life of the soul. I don't know about you, but I've come to the place as I grow a little older that I realize this life is really short. You know, um, there are many people that I have done their funeral that were younger than me. That kind of sets things in perspective a little bit. And I realize life is way too short to go through this life at max PSI, stressed out and uptight, devoid of peace. I may as well fall in love with the one that made me, and stay connected to the owner's manual because it's going to lead me in the right way. The other day, I opened up a journal in my office and in the back pouch of the journal were some love letters from Linda. And I opened them up. I read them. You know, even though she wrote them years ago, it still thrilled me. I know this book was written a long time ago. But the eternal God of every age knew you before He formed you. And He knew what you would need. And He knew what you should read.
And He knows what is best for you every day. And He wants to do you good always. Fall in love with Him. When you do, you'll fall in love with His Word. And you'll be the beneficiary. The life that you lead will not begin to resemble the one that you have lived. And my friends, you'll discover every word is true.